I'm Dr. Brian Goldman, host of the CBC podcast, The Dose. Each week, we answer vital health questions that will help you thrive, like, what does my mental health have to do with my gut? How can I prevent melanoma? How much sleep do I really need? And how can I manage my health without a family doctor? I chat with the top experts to bring you the latest evidence in plain language, all in about 20 minutes. Find The Dose on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. As we enter the final days of 2023, it feels like a good time to take stock and appreciate the good things. Hi, Matt. You asked what the best thing that happened to us this year was. And for me, that was getting married on May 6, 2023 at the City Hall in downtown Toronto to the most wonderful man with beautiful flowers and lots of friends and then having our reception at our very favorite Italian restaurant. I received a job offer from a place I had worked at previously, but due to COVID had lost that job. And now I am thankfully in that job where I am treated well, I am paid well, I've got benefits, and it's a four-day work week. So this gal's feeling pretty happy. We decided to foster a cat through our local animal shelter, and we were actually given a pregnant cat. So we went from zero pets to five pets in a matter of weeks and finding homes for the kittens was something we wanted to do. And then we kept the mama cat and having a pet, our first pet, has just been such a joy. You can hear the joy in those messages. Thank you, Andrea Bodkin, Carrie O'Mara in Toronto, and Glynis Caldwell in Surrey, British Columbia, for your highlights of 2023. This is a simple question, um, but it's not really a simple question, and particularly at a time when things seem kind of dark and difficult. What's the best thing that happened to you this year? We asked that, and we heard a huge response from you. Nidhi Sachdeva also got in touch with us. The best thing of her year was graduating from the University of Toronto with a PhD. She's with me in studio now. Good morning. Good morning, Matt. Congratulations. Thank you. Why was grad... I mean, it sounds like an obvious question. Why was graduating (laughs) this year with a PhD the best thing that happened to you in 2023? Oh, there's so many things, but I'll definitely start with the most important one. Um, I started the PhD in 2019 with two kids at the time, and uh, it it was a needed step in my life for my career. And I... Just imagine my daughter, who's now nine, but she was around four or so at the time. And I just imagined her watching me walk the stage. Mm. And um, and that was something that did happen this year. And it was extraordinarily important for me because we all know what happened in 2020. And um, despite that, and uh, having another kid in the middle. So started PhD with three, two and finished with three. Busy life. <laughs> Yes. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the look in my kids' eyes that I saw when I wore that red robe before walking on the stage. What did you see? When you looked down, so first, like walking across that stage is a big thing. It's huge. Right? I remember walking across the stage, but I also have sat on a stage as people have walked across yes. the stage and got their degrees. And it's incredible. It's, what it's, was it like for you? So there were two parts to it. First, when I put that robe on, my family was waiting somewhere else and I met them in that hall where we all convene and before going to the convocation hall, I saw my daughter at the time, this was in June of 2023, she was eight and my son too, but his 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 reaction was, yeah, this is cool. This is a cool <laughs> outfit you're wearing. Are you in Harry Potter or something? 
But uh, my daughter looked at me and I think her eyes just became wider. I could just see that. Mm. And I could just see that she was so proud of me. She saw more than her mom. Someone, she really felt that, wow, you're a doctor now. And, and that was just incredible. And then when I was waiting to be, you know, my name to be called mm-hmm. on stage, I saw she was at sort of the balcony spot and I looked up to her as my name was being said. And you saw her? I saw her. I saw her smile and I saw those eyes again. And um, it was all worth it in that moment. It was just so, so special for y- me. You are a doctor of what? <clears throat> wow. <laughs> Don't call me in an air- airplane, but uh, I'm a doctor <laughs> of uh, education. Okay. I did my uh, doctoral degree in uh, um, curriculum and pedagogy from OEZ. In the... The note that you wrote to us, um, one of the things that you said was that this moment, and there's a bunch of things that you've already kind of articulated that stood out to you, but one of the reasons that this was the best thing that happened to you in 2023 was from where you came when you arrived here. You came to Canada in 2007? That's correct. From New Delhi? <clears throat> as an international student? As an international student. When you arrived here, what what was life like? What did you expect was going to happen? Um, I... Had traveled a little bit before that. I was really young at the time. I knew it would be challenging, but I didn't know it was... I couldn't feel the challenge before arriving here. I couldn't feel the winter. People talk to you about the winter, the cold. The first winter really hits you. Mm -hmm. You don't know what kind of jacket to buy. You Mm -hmm. don't know what kind of boots to buy, where Mm -hmm. to go. I had some support. I had, you know, my now husband, because of whom I moved here originally, but the other challenges were when I first came here, <clears throat> I wanted to actually do a master's degree, excuse me, and uh, um, I couldn't get in. I was asked to do a, what University of Toronto calls it, a non-degree program. So I did that for a year and it was a really difficult acceptance for me to go back to kind of like an undergrad year. And I did that um, with a little bit of fear, resentment and a bit of frustration and anger but I'm glad I did it. And the following year, I got into the master's program. And life was difficult. You know, you have financial issues. You have social challenges. You're homesick. You're, you're in a whole other country. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's what I often call it. Like, there is the load that you feel while learning, the cognitive load that I often call it. But there's this invisible load that comes from so many different angles. And that impacts your learning also. And that's why... Um, almost, what, 13, 14 years later, yeah. being able to do one of the top degrees from one of the top institutions in this country meant so much more to me because I, I couldn't get into a master's at, at, the, at first. It's worth thinking about. We talk a lot about international students arriving here and you know the, the ticket that they pay at universities, but also the crunch that they face when it comes to housing, when it comes to making ends meet and what have you, that there are, there are people behind those stories, behind those numbers, like you who are facing those struggles kind of head on. Yeah. Yeah. What happens now? <clears throat> I mean, you have the big degree, you've yes. walked across the stage. Uh, what, what, what is next in life? Uh, um, my passion is learning. I deeply care about learning. Um, and I'm continuing that by teaching. I teach at, uh, at U of T some courses. I also have an opportunity. I teach at York University as well. And I am trying to stir up the discussion of uh, making learning better mm. for our younger ones, uh, for our students. What does that mean, making learning better? Um, having evidence-informed discussions around learning. So using science of learning um, to, 
inform how we teach in classrooms, inform how we support our learners, because we know that there's lots of challenges that are happening. So with my degree, now I feel that I've got the name and the comma PhD, or you can call it the doctor. Now I don't comma have Comma PhD, I yeah. like that. <laughs> Some people go with doctor. I wrote my name and put a comma PhD next to it. Um, but I feel now that I have that, I don't need to continue to convince people that what I'm saying matters. That's something that I have achieved. Now I feel I can share my opinion because I've learned it. I research it. I deeply, deeply care about learning, and uh, I just want to continue to support that for my kids um, and for my own self and for our future, you know, younger learners in Canada and across. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for writing to us. Thank you. Nadi Sachdeva, comma, PhD, just got her doctorate from the University of Toronto. That's the best thing that happened to her in 2023. Family was a huge theme in your highlights this year. Christine Curry from Lewis Head in Nova Scotia, down on the South Shore, beautiful part of that country, um, writes to us, my daughter and I flew to Vancouver Island to visit my sister and brother-in-law in late October, the first time since 2017. In spite of flight delays and too many hours in airports, we had a wonderful trip, wild games of crib, Life is better with cribbage, by the way. Uh, laughter and silliness, great food and beautiful weather. Heath Swale from Ottawa wrote, you asked about the best thing that happened in 2023. Frankie Farakuti, that's who, our first grandchild, born on March 15th on a snowy, drizzly, windy night in Kentville, Nova Scotia, on the Bay of Fundy. Red hair, tidal pool, blue eyes, and a quirky open smile. I feel a love deeper than the Minas Basin, and my heart sings when I think of him. That's lovely. Here's a message from Ariella Weisfeld. The best thing that happened to me this year is learning how to read music, to learn how to play the recorder and a native flute. Last January, I started take lessons with my friend and neighbor, Lisa. We meet every two weeks and she teaches me how to read music, the theory behind it, and how to play the recorder. Finally, Lisa used to work for me part-time in my gardening business and was also a music teacher. She must have planted a seed in my mind that grew to fruition this year. Michelle Rigby's best thing of the year was also tied to learning a new pastime. Michelle is in Truro, Nova Scotia. Michelle, good morning. Good morning. What's, How are you? Well, I'm really, I'm better for speaking to you. What is the new skill <laughs> that you've been learning this year? Well, now I can't emphasize enough how unathletic my whole life has been. You know, and um, 68 years old, and at 60 years old, I learned to play tennis. Why would you do that? In the, the, the letter that you wrote to us, you said, and this is close to my heart, that staying home and reading a book sounds like heaven to me. So why, why would you learn how to play tennis? Well, you know, I was, I was anticipating retirement, and I, learned, I was trying to learn to play golf, and I really didn't get it. I just couldn't get it. And beside the golf uh, lessons, there was somebody asked me to play tennis. And, you know, the ball was bigger and the racket was bigger. And I sort of understood that, mm -hmm. like the ball could hit the racket. And so I started taking lessons and I took lessons for a year. And the most revolutionary thing that happened was when the coach, that's what they call the instructor in tennis, the coach, mm -hmm. when the coach said, Michelle, look at the ball. I didn't know you had to do that, Matt. I didn't know. And so that changed the game. When you, when, when, you, when you kept your eye on the ball, it changed yeah. the game. Well, it changed the game from really bad to okay bad. You say that you it are a solidly mediocre player, which is better than I am, certainly. But you have a lot of fun, oh. right? 
It's a lot of fun. And people are so patient with me. They're so kind. It's just astounding. But I, I just like, I'm amazed every time I go on the court, I'm just amazed that I am there. It's, uh, you know, if you visualize me, you have to think of like the best visualization I can come up with is Mrs. Claus, you know? And if you visualize Mrs. Claus, well, she probably has better dresses. But anyway, Mrs. Claus playing tennis, that's me. And it's just astounding. You got out there and you played, but there are other things that happened when it came to your your burgeoning tennis career that made this the best thing of the year, right? Yes. Well, I got an award for tennis. It's the first athletic award in our family ever. I'm just like, and I, you know, as you can tell, I'm a bit of a talker. And so what happened was, is that they were going to give us the award. Like, so they were, they they were uh, um, announcing a new award in the name of Romaine Pierce, who's a wonderful woman. And all of a sudden I saw my husband come in and in my head, I'm thinking I had said to him, he should come when I phone him. This is at the so bank. This is at the, the, the year end kind of banquet thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't a bank. It was just like in a foyer after a tournament. Right. But anyway, so, so he's coming in and he's getting me in. And then this is internal dialogue in my head. And I said, well, he was supposed to come when I called him. Well, maybe my communication wasn't clear. No, I'm pretty sure I said that. And so I'm going over to him and there's, they're talking about Romaine. And I'm going over to him and I'm trying to get him seated. And this internal dialogue is going on in my head. And all of a sudden it's hush. And I look over and the presenter, who's a retired teacher, gave me that teacher's eye. And all of a sudden I realized they're talking about me. And I was so flummoxed. I was so flabbergasted. I was literally speechless. What is the award for? The Romaine Peers Award? What is it for? A determine it's a 3D award. Determination, devotion, and um, oh my, dedication. So it was it as I as you see, Matt. It wasn't skills, but it was the fact that I kept coming, and 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 that was to be. And I I think that's extraordinary to be acknowledged for showing up, not for your skills or your expertise, but just to keep coming. You know, for an old an old guy like me, and to do that, it's I think it's astounding. What's what's the lesson? Just finally, do you think for other people who they might want to try something new, but they think I don't know how to do this, and if I do it, I'm going to look like a fool, and I'm not going to be any good, and I I would rather, as you say, stay home and read a book. That's just quite well, fine you know, in that chair. What what would the advice be that you would give to them? Well, of course, you're going to look like a fool. So what does it matter? <laughs> Beyond I, that, um, you might win. Yes. Yeah. What, what else? Yeah, what, you what else would be, you say? I, oh my God! If you want to, I'm like I'm the epitome of looking like a fool. But it doesn't matter as long as you can laugh and as long as you have good manners. That's the main thing, and then people will always help you. Really. It sounds like you've had a great year, Michelle. I'm really glad uh, to talk to you. Thanks for writing thank and congratulations. You. I don't. Do you, is it like a, a a trophy? Is it a plate? What did you it's get? It's a plaque. It's and believe me, it's well displayed. You couldn't miss it if you came into my house. Fantastic. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Michelle bye Rigby. Bye. She's in Truro, Nova Scotia. There are people who perhaps uh, took up another hobby. Maybe they learned how to play a different sport, like Michelle learned how to play tennis. There are other people who uh, just appreciated being in nature this year. Joan Robinson writes, the best thing to happen to me this year was hiking in the foothills of the Dolomites with my my guide dog, Danielle, a small and adventurous 
black Labrador retriever. Hiking with my guide dog is the closest experience I have to being sighted. I walk with freedom and Danny and the way that she moves lets me know what's next. Even though I am totally blind, I participated fully in the experience along with all my hiking companions. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. We also got a letter from Terry Terraby, who writes, In October of 2023, my husband John was lucky to receive a second kidney transplant, 31 years to the day after he received his first one. The donor was Terry's sister. Terry's husband is John Allen. He's on the line now from Ottawa, and so is her sister, the donor of that kidney, Gay Terraby. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Matt. G- good morning. John, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, very, very well. Which is, um, uh, that's an achievement in and of itself. Tell me a little bit about where you were at um, in needing a new kidney. What was going on? Well, um, I had a, a, a kidney failure back in 91. My dad was my donor then. He was 74, quite elderly, but um, he was very healthy. So I had a kidney transplant in 91. It lasted almost 30 years. And then I went to kidney failure again. And as you probably know, you know, kidney failure means the toxins in your body build up and it changes everything. Your, the way you taste food, your energy levels, your, your outlook on life and everything else. And through a whole set of circumstances, uh, my sister-in-law was uh, tested as a donor. And of course, uh, the gold standard in donations of uh, organs is a living donor. And she was kind of the perfect match. And being a little younger than me, um, it meant I was getting a, a younger kidney than my, my first transplant. And it worked out beautifully. I mean, as soon as the kidney was, in, was put in my, uh, my body, um, everything worked perfectly. Uh, the uh, numbers they track as to kidney function were incredibly low, as they, they should be in a healthy person. So it's just been a, a total change of life. Gay, when did you decide that you wanted to get tested? to see if you could be a donor for John? Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't even know if Terry and John know this, but um, years, be- well, a few years before John started dialysis, um, I they had sold their house uh, to move into a condo and um, they wanted to make life easier for the two of them right. and sort of start, you know, putting everything together just to make uh, life smoother. And so I spoke to my husband about it. And then uh, I knew two gentlemen at uh, through the golf course who were recipients. And I spoke to them to find out what, you know, how they were feeling. And obviously they were in fabulous health and they both had uh, family members as donors. So I did a little uh, sort of sleuthing in the background and to find out, you know, what the donor uh, went through. 
And uh, so it started, uh, I guess, about two years before uh, the surgery actually happened, uh, once I saw that John's health was really declining. And uh, I didn't do any Google researching. (laughs) I wanted to do live researches. And uh, so I started, I started that way. And then, you know, my husband and I spoke about it. And then I spoke to Terry and John about it to find out, you know, at that point, if they would even entertain it, you know. That's a big, that's a big gift. And it's a big decision to make. And I just wonder, I mean, family's family, but it's also, as I say, there's a huge intervention. It's a serious surgery. What was, what were you thinking about why this would be, it sounds like an obvious question, but why this would be the right thing to do? Well, you know, when I uh, started speaking to these gentlemen at the golf course and I found out that you just a donor isn't just accepted just because they want to do it. Uh, There's a lot of medical testing and um, I just I sort of went with blind faith and, and, and everybody who I had spoken to, I knew that the donors were living a very good life. I mean, nothing really had changed for the donors at all. Uh, there was there was no downside to it. And the fact that there's extensive uh, medical testing done, there's no risk yeah. ever taken with the donor. Uh, and in fact, I don't know if, um, if Terry had shared this with you, but Terry wanted to be the donor. And one of the first tests they did, they found something little inconsequential, nothing, you know, that was going to affect her life, but they never want to take a chance. So um, I just saw Terry and John's, you know, quality of their life declining. I mean, little things like being able to cut there in Toronto or in Montreal, being able to come to Montreal for three days was was impossible Mm. because, you know, but at that time they were on dialysis. And uh, so I just started all the testing to find out if, in fact, I could go forward with it. John, when you heard that your sister-in-law was going to be the donor, how did you react? I think we, (laughs) Terry and I just couldn't stop, you know, smiling and thanking her and uh, just just remarking on the incredible generosity and our our great fortune. I mean, this is just, you can't script this any better. Um, She's, you know, very, she's very active, you know, socially and physically, and she's in great health. She's a great attitude of things, about things. And it, it just worked out so smoothly. It was just like clockwork. And of course, you know, the staff at St. Mike's, uh, the nephrology staff is just fabulous. Mm. I've had a lot of experience with them over the years, and they are just the best. Gay, any any nervousness on the day of the surgery? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I would say two, two, two kind of uh, situations happened. One, uh, when I went in for the pre-op and, and, you know, there was a few back and forth to Toronto, but, you know, all of my testing was done here in Montreal and the reports just sent there. And, you know, you're just sort of going through it as if you're doing your annual checkups. But when I went in for my uh, pre-op test, and uh, the uh, the live donor um, coordinator, Kevin, said to me, Gay, he said, it's about this point in time that people say, what am I doing? Mm. Like, wh- what what possessed me to even think about this? And that immediately helped calm me down. And I said to him, Kevin, remember to tell every donor that because you think that it's just you, you know, thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. But he said, everybody starts feeling yeah, you, the you same were thinking, way. Yeah, and you were thinking that way too. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it was becoming more real. You know, it the day was approaching. Um, we had our date, which, you know, as John told you, I didn't even know when we picked the date that it was, uh, how, how many years, John? 30 years to the day? 30 years to the day, yes. 30 years to the day. And I had picked the date, uh, you know, and lo and behold, it's it's the same date that John had had his first kidney transplant. But then the day of the surgery, um, you know, so I, now I'm in, you know, the, just the pre-op uh, room. Right. And uh, then I get into the operating room and I had a complete meltdown. I was, I'm not a big crier, but I was hysterical and they were trying to calm me down and all of the team just backed away from the table. And then the anesthesiologist said, okay, I'm just going to give you something to calm you down. And a mask came over my face and I thought, okay, it's just something just to calm me down. And then the next thing I knew, I the, the surgery was over. <laughs> so I needed... <laughs> Just that I, they were holding my hand, pat, you know, patting my shoulder and uh, just telling me what a great thing I was doing. And I said, I know, you know, but. And now John says he was, feels, well, now John says he feels great. Do you take a bit of credit for that? That, he, that, that he's got a bit of you in him and then you might have something to do with the fact that he feels great. Well, you know, it, I, I don't really honestly really think about it. I, it just, it, I don't think about that it that way. It's it's sort of an impossible way for me to think. I just look at John and just um I just can't believe how healthy he is. Like now they could finally travel. They could go over the border. There's so many things that, you know, dialysis helped him live a few extra years, but you know, there there's so many restrictions to it. Mm. Uh but one day we were meeting up here in Montreal. And I, we refer to the kidney as Kobe because we think of Kobe beef like a very, very high quality. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I saw Terry and John driving up and I went, oh, there's Kobe coming to meet me. You know, like we, we sort of put some humor to it as well. Um, but I mean, I just am. I feel yeah. so grateful that I was able to to do something like that. I, I you know, never in my life had I thought about doing something like mm. that. But you know that I was healthy enough to do it, and I would do it all over again. John, before I let you go, how has your relationship with your sister-in-law changed, having given what you've gone through? I, I think. Uh, we have a, a, a deeper connection than before. I mean, we're always, you know, close and we enjoy each other's company. But it's just a little deeper because literally I do have her DNA. It's 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 floating, you know, through my bloodstream. It's uh, it's quite remarkable. But uh, it's, it's an incredible gift. Incredible. And you feel great. I haven't felt this good, Matt, I, I, I don't think in 15 years. It's, it's something else. When we asked people what the best thing that had happened to them this year was, you have no idea what people are going to say back. It could be something small. It could be, you know, we heard a range of things. People adopted a cat. People got a degree. <laughs> Somebody's life was saved because their sister-in-law donated an organ from their living body. And they're both yes. here on the line talking with us. Life yes. is um, life is kind of great in, in, in many different ways. I'm glad to talk to you both. John, I'm glad you're healthy. And thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. And Gay, thank you for thank what you did. And um, thank you for speaking with us. And I'm glad you're doing well as well. Thank you so much, Matt. 
John Allen is in Ottawa. Gay Tarabe is in Montreal. And as you heard, she donated a kidney to John, her brother-in-law. Let us know what the best thing was that happened to you this year. As I say, one of the reasons why this question is important, especially now, is because a lot of the news is bad. A lot of the news is really hard. And in the face of that, it's good to think of some of the good that happened to us this year. So think about that and let us know. What was the best thing that happened to you this year? Big or small, you can email us, current at cbc.ca, or record a voice memo on your phone. Just record that memo and then email it to us. The email address, again, is current at cbc.ca. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.